Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneur's podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. We've got another episode of the Shut Up Show with AJ Leon and Bernie Shung. You're here too, and we're going to kick butt, be misfits, and learn how to turn down a book deal and all sorts of other cool stuff. So, Bernie, you asked for the privilege of inter- introducing AJ today because certainly, though, uh, I've gotten to know him. You have mentioned that he's kind of changed your life. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and you kick butt from here. Yeah, absolutely. Kinda is an understatement, uh, to be quite honest with you. And this wouldn't be a shut up show if I didn't rant for the first couple of minutes and kind of deconstruct how I came to find out about AJ, um, his wife Melissa and his awesome band of misfits. Um, so bear with me here, AJ, before we introduce you. This is really important. And I don't think you've heard this before either. So this would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at my notes because I've got <laughs> literally a page, a page full of deconstruction. And I got that word, uh, from Srini, who also just recently interviewed with us and is a mutual friend of all of ours. Yeah. And Srini talked quite a bit about in, in Broadcast FM about how when you deconstruct, you kind of look back and connect all the dots and then you discover, oh, wow, that's kind of why I made all the decisions I did that led me to the path that I'm on now. So in thinking about the deconstruction of, of, of you know, you, AJ, and the band of misfits and kind of really how that impacted and changed my life. And when I say change, I'm talking literally, you changed my life. Um, I think back to a time and you and I briefly talked about this. Um, on kitchen table companies when Chris Brogan and Jill Storch were still doing a weekly web show very similar to this. This was September 20, 2011. And I didn't, I didn't remember that, by the way. I had to go and Google search it. 2011. Wow. September 20th, 2011. I'll never forget. I think it was at like track time marker, like, 18 minutes and like 20 seconds or something. And, and Melissa and you were talking about how you had left your lofty, gorgeous corner office in a corporate executive position, six figure, uh, a salary four days before your freaking wedding <laughs> because you were sick and tired of living in the shell of who you were at the time. Um, shortly after that, I'd say about maybe the 10 months or so, you, you guys then created Misfit Inc which became what you deem now as a creative uh, design uh, shop, because I'd hate to call you an agency. I think you're far yeah. more than that. And you guys have done a, a shit ton of philanthropic um, projects since then. So that's around 2008-ish to 2011. Three years have gone by. I'm hearing the story from two freaking awesome people, blown away, speechless. And I'm sitting here going, holy shit, what the hell am I afraid of, right? Yeah. Um, so now we then fast forward it to August of 2012. Um, this lunatic is, <laughs> writes this, this, uh, awesome post about the pursuit of everything, launches this website 
several thousand subscribers later and you know several months later all of a sudden now you've got this misfit movement right uh, which I've been very you know, happy to be a part of um, which we're gonna fast forward now to June of 2013 I can't believe it's June really I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> June of 2013 a little over five years later from when you left that job and you made that scary decision to leave that comfortable salary with only pennies in the bank and a lot of freaking ambition what you uh, called creativity and grit I heard you call it that before now you have and again I'm only scratching the surface here you you've published a manifesto okay you you accepted and turned down a book deal with a major publisher you have crushed a Kickstarter campaign within like I think five hours or something. Um, you've launched an honorary misfit group again, which I'm part of. A quarterly magazine, both online and in print, which again I'm part of. Um, you're self-publishing a book right now. Um, you flew a guy from uh, Seattle to Milwaukee for a misfit camp where you helped him over the weekend. Uh, gave him over $30,000 worth of intellectual knowledge, your time, and experience to help him bring a coffee house to Laos, which, by the way, is where my parents are from. Um, God, what else? I, I don't <laughs> even know you know, where to end there, but, but AJ, I mean, you, first of all, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much because, honestly, you have touched my life in so many ways. You have shown me so much bravery. You are the emperor of awesome sauce. You are the ambassador <laughs> of Quan. You are the king of misfits. And we are so happy to have you, AJ. You're going to make me cry. I'm the shut up show. And I want to cry. I honestly want to cry. So anyway, what do you have to say for yourself? Wow. After that, geez, you actually make me sound... Uh important they're impressive <laughs> uh, that's 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 some, thank you for that introduction Bernie honestly like that that means I didn't realize that my self-esteem points would have such a boost this morning this is like um, yeah thank you for having me on I'm, it's it's a pleasure it's weird when you hear it's really strange when you hear kind of your work replayed back to you like that I don't think that exchange has ever happened for me so like just hearing that back all the way you know, to, to 2011 till now, especially the last nine months since Pursuit of Everything. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. That's, that's for sure. And hearing it played back. Wow. That's, that's not, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, that's, that's why great. she got the intro, AJ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I certainly could have talked about Bernie letting me know that you were here at the Hudson where I am today. You've been in this very office, sir. I have. I have. Oh, I have the brick wall. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting how life comes full circle sometimes, yeah. you know, and and how honestly, AJ, you and I have been chasing each other's ass probably for five years. Yeah, when you really think about it, not directly, right? We've not connected the circle until this year, but so much of the work that we've done with Sabcon and other things have been like right here. Oh, super just cool. so damn close, and yet yeah. now, right now, it's like. You're on our show, dude. This is so cool. So I'm, I'm yeah. humbled as well, my friend. So thanks for being here. No, thank thank you guys. I'm I'm honestly I'm honored to be on with you guys. I'm I'm excited to to talk. And honestly, just to fucking hang out with you guys is a is a pleasure. You know, seriously. 
I love it. So the word I'm hearing, because I know there's so many different words I'm hearing. Number one, obviously, is misfit. But I think the really huge underlying word I'm hearing here is connection. Mm. Um, AJ, take me through that. I mean, obviously, everything I just shared with you in your intro, um, even the connection that I was able to help make with you and Phil when, when you were in Milwaukee, um, connection has been a huge piece. I believe in, in your success, in Phil's success, my success, and other brave solopreneurs like us. Take us through the word connection and kind of help us understand what is so important about that and how that helps us to be more successful. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in, in particular, when you're, when you're trying to represent something that's larger than yourself or your ideas, um, I think connection truly, you know, obviously is the most important part. And some people, um, and this is not bad, it's just different approaches, but some people are selling um, information, you know, and that's what they do online. And that's fantastic. That's that's a business and it's viable and I don't think there's a problem with that. But if you're not selling information, like how I can get more subscribers or how I can sell X or Y or Z online, then, then you, I feel like you transfer into a world where it's not about the size of your list and you start, you don't look about, you don't look at your community as a list or as numbers. You look at them as individuals. You seek to connect with each and every person. I mean, every so still to today, every, every single person that subscribes. I mean, I'm, I'm way behind, but I spend about two or three hours a day um, thanking everyone for subscribing to Pursuit of Everything. Um, and it matters to me not from a... Um, not from a, I got to check this box perspective, but from a, I want to know who's here. I want to know who's showing up. I want to know what they're working on. Um, you know, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess a lot of people would say connection is not scalable. And I think the most beautiful things in life aren't scalable. So, um, you know, um, yeah, I think it's essential. Which is absolutely evidenced in, you know, Srini, for example, was somebody who played a huge part in your first um, Misfit conference in sure, yeah. recently. And, he's, and he spoke about that. He talked about how your platform is not scalable, nor should it be. And that is the unique reason why you and the Misfits are as successful um, as it is. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, I mean, with that, Srini, like, for, I got to say, Srini was like the franchise at Misfit Conference in Fargo. Srini, uh, I mean, he, not only did he speak, but he interviewed people on stage. He was, he was, he stole the show, uh, and he's, and he's amazing. And, and 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 it's cool to hear him talk about our our work because he analyze. He's very analytical. You know, he's very cerebral. Srini is, and um, and I think that's true. I think in the end, you have to know what you set out to build. You know, and some people, I know people, for instance, that uh, personal friends of mine who run a coffee shop in Stratford-upon-Avon, and they had no, they did not open that shop with the pretension of, I'm going to franchise this out, and I want to have 15, they just want to do this one store, and they want to do it well, and they want to know all their regulars, and they, you know, and if they have another one, maybe two, three, you know, something, but they, they seek to be small, and and I think that matters to know what you're building because if you don't know what you're building and then, and then quote unquote success comes knocking at your door, then the only way to go is towards the, the currents of growth for growth's sake. And that's where most people go. And, 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 and I don't think that that's necessarily right. You know, I think you just got to know what you're seeking out to build. Right. And, and I want to add, you know, I've been following your writing for quite some time now, you know, roughly two years. And it's, you know, the, the best way for me to describe it is you have this insatiable hunger in your in your voice. 
Um, what Watch I've always you're, you're going to keep on making me feel better and better you about know what? the best day of my life. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I swear and to God, you saw it right here on the shadow show, guys. No, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eat that, Srini Rao. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but you know what? What has always intrigued me and has always inspired me is is just how genuine your vulnerability is. So I have to ask you. I've been wanting to ask you. Where does this where does this hunger come from, AJ? Um, I'm sure part of it's innate, but maybe it's experiential. So, kind of take us through that and help us understand where all this hunger comes from. In terms of like everything that I like, I try to build, or just like vulnerability and writing, and, and isn't just... it isn't it all the same? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I was a coward for many years. You know, so there's there's another side of it. You know, I lived as a coward for um, for. A long time in my life, basically taking my cues from um, society and well-intentioned friends and family and colleagues and a, and a system that wanted me to comply and wanted me to just stand in line, and I did, and I did it for years, and I did it very, very well. Um, so, like, when that's the other side of your life, you know, like when I, I wish I could say I've always been self-employed and I've always been, you know, doing what, I'm, but I'm not. I was a coward. I was afraid. Um, I, I made every decision in my life based on wealth and, and money, um, for a very long period of time. And when you escape that, it feels like the first, you know, two or three years after that, it feels like an evacuation. Like I, I, I it just, it's an evacuation from life and I'm trying to get as far away from that person as I possibly can. Um, and so, so you know, today, you know, like in, at least in writing and stuff, I, I try to be, I try to be much more vulnerable, much more open than, than I was before. Cause I realized that that's, you know, that's what matters and that's what takes courage. And I try to look at fears that in the past would have, you know, had their foot on my throat and I just let them stand there. And now I try to, you know, obviously, um, not do that, but that's, that's what it is. I think that's like the other side of my life. There's this other period of my life, which is, which I talk about, but there is no like lens. Like there's no movie of me being that dude, but that dude was always afraid. Um, so in, in, in my, you know, and I know that there's people like that dude out there and that's the guy I'm writing to. Most of the time when I sit down to write, I'm basically writing letters to the, to the 22 year old, 23 year old version of myself. Um, and the mid 20 version of myself. And, and I'm trying to tell that guy that he doesn't have to listen to everybody else and that there is, there, he has much more choices than he thinks, than he thinks he has. And, um, so yeah. That's awesome. I have, I have one statement and one more question before I, I turn it over to Phil. But my sister just called me a 20 something year old guy the other day. <laughs> so, oh, <really? laughs> so I think I am the epitome of the kind of people that you're trying to reach. And, and I say that out of all seriousness because it wasn't until recent years that I, I cut all of my hair off, which was all the way down to my waist. And I ended up, you know, doing the faux hawk. Thank you. I ended up doing the faux hawk, the red hair. My mom called me a rooster the other month. Um, she, 
she basically did not approve, but you know, it's it's that whole misfitism that that you write about, that you speak about, but that really resonated with me, somebody who's felt out of place for a very long time. So that's kind of my feedback to that. And again, you know, a thank you to you. Um, and then the question question I have before I turn it over to yeah. to Phil is. Um, I remember you talking in that, you know, KTCO episode um, in September 2011 about how um, in Melissa's response to you after you told her you just quit your job four days before the wedding, what did you say that she said to you in response to that? Yeah, I mean, that was when, when I left my job. I mean, it was it was a surprise to everybody, including myself. That was a day where it was it, it was an excruciating moment for me because I saw this. 60-year-old version of myself looking back at me, like mourning the glory of a life that could have been. And, it, and, and, and I just, I lost and I realized that I needed to make a, a, a pretty audacious decision. And I just walked out of my job and, and, and my career, everything that I had ever known. And I hit the street and I, you know, I felt glorious for about half a second. And then I, I, I realized I'm going to get married in four days, you know, so I got I to call my wife. Uh, or my, my fiance at the time. And I called her and I told her what happened. And she said, I'll never forget what she said. Um, uh, she said that she was just happy to have me back and that she would rather live with me under the Brooklyn, the real me under the Brooklyn bridge than an impersonation of me anywhere else. And she said, I'm just happy to have you back. And we've been together for a very long time. So um, very, very long time. So she knew me before I had derailed and I, before this, I kind of taken the currents of, of the system. And it, it was, it was something. I mean, after that, like I just felt fortified, you know, vindicated in a way. That's amazing. And you know, that, that Brooklyn Bridge mantra has stayed with me for over two years now. And my version of that is I would, you know, you telling me to stop doing what I'm doing is like you telling me to cut off my left arm. Yep. Right. It's it's very similar to that. So so the the final question I have for you yeah. is um how do you brave through those moments um when you're about to give in to the you're not gonna be good enough, AJ, or you're you know, having lofty ideas, AJ, or this is crazy, stop, you're gonna go broke, all of that nonsense inner chatter. How do you continue to move through in spite of all that crap? I think, you know, I think first, I think there's two things probably. A, um, for me, I started, I, when, when everything started to change for me, I started, two things happened. A, I started to view my life as a novel and I started to view myself as a protagonist in a grand adventure and choices were no longer about, you know, the, the traditional things that they were before about expenses and ins and outs and all that still existed. But when you look at your life, when you start to look at your life as this story unraveling, you know, and you start to see even the bad times are the times that are the most interesting, right? When Frodo runs into the ring rates, that's the part where you're like, oh my God, is he going to make it? And when you, when you see that those are the times that give our lives texture and color, they're not as scary anymore because you realize I'm going to look back at this and this is going to be a fucking amazing story that I'm going to tell of me and Melissa sleeping in Victoria London train station for two weeks under a bus bench, you know, and we have plenty of those. And, and, and even in those moments, we just like, you know, there's a, there's that traditional side of you that's like, oh my God, fuck. And then there's another side of you that's like, this is an adventure and I'm in the middle of it. And this is going to be a great story to tell. And, and then I think the second thing that sets in, and this is like, th this is what changes everything. When you re realize, 
and not not I don't mean the proverbial you. This happened to me the day that it really hit me that this is my life, and it is my one and only. There are no encores. There are no redos. I don't get another one. This is it. You know, when you recognize that this is not your practice life, this is all you have. Everything changes when you really get that because your choices become much more urgent. And that fear of like, oh, you know, am I, am I going to make it or is this idea going to work out? It, it's much less relevant in a, in a normal context. You realize this is my life and it's my art and my art project, you know, and I'm, and, 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 and seeking to do the things that you want to do. It feels like the only thing that you can do, um, with that reality present, you know, so. And that's why he's AJ fucking Leon. Seriously, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh, I, I'm yeah, blown I away. I love you, Bernie. I, swear I, to I, I, I would, I would reach through here and I just like, you know, can I just? Okay, but uh, but we've got to move on. I'm serious. I'm like, I'm blown away. Phil, I'm so sorry, honey. Your turn. <laughs> he's all yours. No, well, you asked some really good questions, Bernie. I think um, the talk about you know realizing that this isn't practice. This is for real. This is it. I think that's really important. But let's let's back that up, AJ. Clearly, that's not something that you're born with. Clearly, yeah. you climbed. Clearly, you worked in corporate America. So take us through a little bit. Rewind to before you had that awakening. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about that fear because we we've got some folks I'm sure that are going to watch this. They're going to be like, well, yeah, that's easy for him to say, but shit, I can't do that. I can't leave my corporate job. My The girl that I love will leave me. The guy that I love will leave me. There's no way in hell they're sticking around. AJ picked the one in a quadrillion that would rather sleep under a park bench. And maybe some of that is true. But, I mean, realistically, there's got to be some kind of fear, whatever, uncertainty, doubt, um, something there. Take us through that, buddy, before you got to the day of, of reckoning. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, I was, I was a poster child for, um, for, for the system. You know, I grad, I remember <laughs> selecting my college degrees. I remember I was sitting in a Barnes and Nobles and, and I had this book where it had all the degrees. I don't know if you remember these. And then it would show you earning potential over time. Oh yeah, and, for sure. <laughs> and that, that is how I selected, um, my major. I mean, that's how I selected my degree. And Not passion? Come on, AJ. No passion there? Right. I mean, exactly. And, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think anybody, I, I don't think that that is, um, abnormal. I think most kids, that's what you do. You know, you value, we, there are very few things that we value our life that are like kind of aggregate value markers for life and, and money and assets and what you own and what you make is certainly probably the greatest one. So, I mean, that's what I, that's what I did. And then every decision there on out for the most part was, was made based on how much money I would make. I mean, I had, you know, I graduated with, I, I, I worked very hard in school. I graduated, you know, three degrees, 4.0, blah, blah, blah. I had my pick of the litter in terms of firms. I picked the, the largest firm with the, the highest signing bonus that I could get vertical leaps in a career. Uh, in a, in a corporate career, you know, trying to get up the finance ladder and, and I did. And so I, I know that side of life. And, you know, I think that for me, 
I mean, my it's it's funny because I don't like to promulgate like advice as like oh leave your job. I think the, the greater advice is recognize that you have that you have this one life, you know, and things start to take care of themselves when you realize that. And for me, it took an urgency, right? I had I I got up to a moment where I was staring the fact that I was going to be married, that I was going to get I was offered a promotion on December thirty first, which would have put me even in a higher income bracket and higher up in my company. So there was no turning back. I would have, I realized that I would have been that guy for the rest of my life, you know, and and that's a scary thing. I mean, it seems very like, you know, you could say it and it's poetic and it's a syntax, but it's, it's a terrifying thing when you realize that your life is scripted and you don't like the script. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that that is that's that is what happened to me. I think uh, smarter, wiser people than I would say, "Look, I'm in a position right now. I don't like the position I'm in. Let me start planning to get outside of that position." And that might be a variety of different things. At Misfit Conf, I met many people, many people that were working for jobs, and now they have started their little side, a side project that means something to them that they never gave themselves permission for. Um, before, um, but now they've kind of leapt over that and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this, this one thing. And that one thing could lead to another thing. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I think it does. And I, I think some, a big learning out of that is it's not about making the big leap. Sometimes, sometimes it's about taking those little leaps, those baby steps towards something closer. Sure. Because, like you said, you got one life, you have one, one chance. So taking small steps. Um, what, what are some of those small steps, AJ? You, you just had that great conference. Tell us about, I, I'm scared shitless to leave my job. I can't do what you did. Okay. Yeah. So tell me something small yeah. that's still very meaningful that I could do. You, you talk about a side hustle, but t- talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. And I will say this. I will say, I, 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 cause Pam, Pam was on stage at Misfit Comp, Pam Slim. Yeah. She's much more didactic than I am. Yes. So. She was like, I mean, she, she flat out asked me when I was in the crowd and she was on stage, you know, would you give that advice to people? And I said, and I said, no, that is not, I do not yeah. present everybody. And the reason I don't present that advice is not because I'm scared of the weight of that advice. It's because each of us are living our own narrative. That's right. And you're in a different place than me and I'm in a different, so you, I can't possibly give that blanket advice. It'd be ludicrous for somebody to do that. Um, so that you know i think i think in terms of like when if if you're if you're further out i reach the point of no return and once i reach that point once you reach that point in life and very you know th- there's either two ways either you're going to be that guy forever or you're going to have to take a big leap that might end in somewhere that is drastic and catastrophic and i had to do that i did that and and, and i'm on the other side of it um i i think that other people are probably now they're starting to recognize, like, I don't like this. I don't, I've done it for you. Maybe I liked it for a while. And I'm like, now they're starting to realize, you know, this enlightenment that they don't want to be here. Um, and I think that that is about choices. It's about choices, you know, choosing to do things outside of, of, of the thing that generates revenue. If you have to, if you have to continue in your job because you have a family and you got to pay those bills and, 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 and take that, take care of that, then, the evening hours that you have after work between six and 10, you know, or six and 12, those hours are the equivalent of, you know, the French revolution was, was planned in Parisian bistros at midnight, you know, after, after people were getting off of work, 
you know, after people have done their day of duty. So those hours are, are absolutely like essential for you to plan what to do next. And, and I think what to do next doesn't have to generate revenue. And I think that's, that's the, the sticky part for me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I think it is about remaking some new context. I know when I left corporate, you know, I, I had a big plan. I, I'm, Unlike you, I didn't have an epiphany one day. I, uh, I gave a two year notice and I worked that out and I had two years before that that I kind of worked up to that. Um, yeah. but I made, I made those hours count. I made every day off count. I mean, I got 22 PTO days a year, AJ, and I took every one of them to either learn, train, do, or be what I saw myself in five years. Exactly. And, and that's, I, I think that those were a series of little steps that still were scary. I mean, holy crap, man, getting up in front of an audience of a thousand people still, you know, I love it now, but there's still a part of me like, really, anybody's going to listen to me? Yeah. You know, so I I think um, similarly for you, I mean, making, making that big jump, the advice that you've given about kicking ass in those extra, that extra space. And by extra space, I mean, shut off the TV. Sure. Right. Don't spend all your time at the movies. Quit eating the bonbons and start making something that lights your fire so you can take your day job and turn it into your capital infusion that pays for the rest of your life, I think is really, really good advice. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's certainly, I mean, I, I, even, even in, in the, the, the manifesto that I published, I mentioned that it's something that's very, it's, it's hard because my story is not that. So, you know, then people look and they're like, oh, uh, you know, his advice is to leave your job. It's like, no, my advice is not to leave your job. My advice is not, not nearly that constructive or, or, or intelligent. My advice is that you have one life and do not squander it. Yes. At some point you are going to regret that and let's not let that happen, whatever the fuck it takes. And if that's a very, you know, intelligent two year approach of get, cause you can, you can handle that. If that's you leaving your job, if that's you saddling up and tra- taking off for Africa for two, whatever that is for you, make that happen. Um, cause this is your only novel, you know, yeah. this, is our, this is our one chance. Yeah. So have an awakening sooner than later, figure out what you're passionate about and take some steps towards success. Even if that looks scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and I would say, you know, in addition to that, and I think you guys would agree with me, is like, don't, don't value, you know, a lot of people, every time they think about an idea, we think like, how is this A going to scale and B, how is it going to make money? And it doesn't, the most interesting things that, that I've, I've done personally have not made any money, right? Every social and humanitarian project that we've done, we've lost thousands of dollars, like putting those things together in terms of all the work and everything that that's very interesting though. And that's even people brought, brought people into our tribe and interest people around us. Um, and, and it's, and it's limitless. The amount of the misfit, that, that should, you know, we've lost tons of money off that, um, but it was amazing and it was a fantastic time together. And so it doesn't have to generate revenue. Uh, it could be net neutral. It could be a little blog that you want to start inside, but, but you know, it just has to be something you want to do. It comes out of your heart song. Yeah, that's that's such great advice, AJ. Not everything is a business. Not everything is scalable. Not everything is meant to make money, but it's meant to make your heart sing. Yeah, and I think that's that's great advice for all of us. Bernie, you want to bring us home here? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so sad because this conversation is going to come to an end. And uh, pardon my dogs barking in the background. They love AJ, too. That's why they're barking and coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think this is a perfect segue because as we close up here, I really want you to share with us what you're working on. And I, and I think that the great segue here is um, you always talk about doing shit that matters. And a huge, huge you know, piece of, of, of the reason why I'm, I'm a part of your tribe is that you do shit that matters. So the one that comes to mind is Good Misfit. Um, a lot of people saw the, the website that I created that attached to your Goodness Fit project, but uh, for those who haven't heard yet, I'm afraid of windmills, okay? It's ridiculous, it's <laughs> illogical, that. and it's <laughs> irrational. I watched a cartoon when I was a kid. It was Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha. He was, you know, he had some, some mental issues, and he thought the windmill was a dragon, and he was jousting it. But anyway, long story short, <laughs> I saw this, this, this misfit uh, philanthropic uh, social experiment, and I was like, holy shit, I've got to attach myself that, to that. One, because it's the misfits doing it. I love those guys. And two, because I want to overcome my fear of windmills. So, so AJ, <laughs> take it home and tell everybody what the Good Misfit Project is all about and how they can help. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, so basically, uh, a few, a few weeks ago, a friend of mine, Jeff Power, who does work with Global Hope Network and who works in this area in Kenya called Isiolo, um, told me that this village that we've worked with in the past, um, the, the village is called Gendala. They do transformational community development. So not just dropping off aid boxes. What they do is work with the village over three years in the, in the fields of education, income generation, water, uh, health. So that by the end of these three years, they have a clinic. They under, understand microagriculture and can grow their own crops. They have water sources there. Um, so, so that GH and I can move on. It's a brilliant kind of strategy in Africa where many people are just dropping off these aid boxes. So as a graduation present to this village that has gone through this process for three years, the last step is them being able to, um, grow crops throughout the entirety of the year. And, that, because during a dry season, they can't do that unless they have a massive water source that allows them to irrigate their crops, the crops of these 500 families. Um, so uh, the, the, the kind of solution for this is having a windmill that would basically pump all this water into a thousand gallon tank, hold it there, and then during the dry season, they'd be able to use that to continue to irrigate their crops, which they could grow for themselves, the village, and then they could also sell in the marketplace, thereby creating this kind of generational overflow. And you, you can really you know, that's it. That, that, they, they no longer need any, any Americans or any, any assistance. Um, so my buddy Jeff Power called me and he told me, listen, man, we wanted to do this. You know, we had a few thousand dollars, but we, we need $15,000. There's no way it's going to happen. And, you know, immediately I'm like, there's no way. Come on. They're like, we're going to make this happen. And, and then I thought, you know, normally what would happen is we would go out, do, create some type of project like we've done in the past as misfits. We fly out to Africa and do some, you know, kind of cool fundraising campaign. And then we raise funds for a particular project. But what we wanted to do is get the misfits involved. And I thought if we could get 30 people involved to raise $500 each, that's $15,000. And how interesting would that be if we did it in concert and like we did it together? Um, so, that's the project. We launched it on June 1st. We have 30 uh, misfits. Uh, we got them very quickly, which is very cool. Bernie of Shiro One, thank you so much. Um, and everybody's going to be raising uh, $500 uh, a piece throughout this month. And then hopefully at the end of the month, we have the 15000 uh, needed. If there are extra funds, if anybody wants to help, you can share out about the project at misfit.com. 
Um, you can also donate directly to it, and any money that is raised beyond the 15,000 will go into this area. Gambella has cluster villages around it and will continue to like serve like this kind of model in other places. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's it. But we got some cool people involved. You're involved. Hugh, who is uh, Seth Godin's designer, uh, the designer of Seth Godin's book. He's doing an art piece. We have, we have people from all around the world doing, uh, different, different things. Uh, a blacksmith from Ireland selling different pieces and, and uh, everybody kind of gearing up. Misfits getting together, trying to solve one real problem in the world. And there you have it, folks. And AJ sits here like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal, just another project. And, and that's exactly what I love about you, AJ, Melissa, and the rest of uh, Misfit Inc. Um, Phil, oh my God, blown away, huh? Yeah. So, so we we have to close uh, with AJ. Where the hell do we find you? Because clearly, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. But let's make a difference. Share that you're. Obviously, goodmisfit.com is fantastic, but where can folks get more of your work so that they can get their own butts inspired and make a difference in their own world? Sure. I mean, my main job, I always say, is I feel like my main job is as a writer, and I write at pursuitofeverything.com about once or twice a week. I publish essays there, so that's where people find me. Pursuitofeverything.com. AJ Leon. We love you, man. Thank you for all you do in our world. I love you guys. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flying high today. <laughs> yes. Hey, brother, you made a difference, dude. You really, We really appreciate you. I know I confidently speak for Bernie when I say that if it weren't for folks like you, man, we wouldn't get to do what we do. So thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.